All right, Colossians 3.18. Stan, and I'm going to read a verse real quickly, and then we're going to get started. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Father, we ask for your help today. Um, Father, this is a widely misunderstood uh, verse. God, there's, um, there's a lot of unbelief even in, in trusting your scriptures in this. And so, Father, we ask for your help today that we might see our Christian life rightly, that we might see marriage rightly, that we might um, see the gospel and the kingdom and the world rightly. Father, help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Okay, so Colossians chapter 3, um, this, basically this whole chapter, and we've been in it for almost two months now, is all about this freight train impact that is going to happen when you are joined to Jesus Christ. So the first couple verses of Colossians 3 are all about when you are joined to Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus and you're connected in by faith, the old you dies, the new you is raised, you are seated in the heavenlies with Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, all of these spiritual realities happen. Paul keeps telling us, set your mind on things above, set your mind on things above. Because when we realize, when we embrace all that Christ is for us and that he's done, that he promises to do, then our life starts changing, okay? As we begin to live by faith in the Son of God with the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to change. And you begin to put off all this, this other stuff. We talked about putting off sexual immorality and, and greed and covetousness and idolatry. And we talked about putting on these Christ-like qualities that were never a characteristic of our lives before. But now all of a sudden we're putting on compassion and kindness and humility and patience and bearing with one another and being thankful in all things. And so uh, chapter 3 has been all about this impact that happens as we are joined to Jesus Christ. Now, we are entering the family section of Colossians chapter 3, meaning that these drastic, impactful changes that ought to be happening in you are going to be visible in your family relationships, okay? So in other words, if you're a person that you put your faith in Christ, supposedly, and, and you're beginning to change on the outside at work and with, with your church friends, but when you get home, there's no difference in you, you're still living the old life, then there's something drastically wrong with your Christianity, all right? Because your, your, your Christianity, you're becoming like Christ, ought to be visible in your family relationships, particularly in your marriage, okay? Marriage is hard, okay? A good marriage is even harder. A marriage that looks like Jesus in the church, which is the purpose of marriage, we'll talk about that in a second, is supernatural, okay? Now, what do I mean by supernatural? I mean it's, it's only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is exactly what Paul is talking about here in verse 18. So, so what he's asking ladies to do, Christian women to do in verse 18 is a part of their connection to Jesus Christ. In other words, this is not something that a lady can pull off without the Spirit of God. So notice in verse 18, he says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Okay, now what is that phrase, in the Lord? That's being joined to Jesus, right? In the Lord is your connection to the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is saying when you're connected to the resurrected Jesus Christ, you're in the Lord. And, and so you're a fellow heir with Jesus. You're, you're, the old you is dead and the new you has been, been made alive in Christ. And so what is fitting with that 
reality is submission to your husband's leadership. Now, we have a problem, okay? We have a problem. Let's just be real. We have a problem in that for most Americans, that smells bad, okay? It just, you know, I'm, and it's more than hard, okay? Most of the things we've dealt with in the last two months have been hard, okay? Do you remember the sermon on anger? about putting off anger? Do you remember the sermon on bearing with others? In other words, quit being offended all the time. Do you remember the sermon on forgiveness? You know, actually forgiving those people that have hurt. Those things are hard. But you know what? Most Christians, even though those are hard, they know they're beautiful, right? They know they're right. They actually strive for them knowing that their joy will be made complete when they actually unload that forgiveness, right? Unload that bitterness and embrace forgiveness when they stop being angry. So we're not just talking about hard things. We're, we're talking about something else. We're talking about that for most Americans, it, it just has a bad taste. Submit to your husband has a bad taste in their mouth. It's just kind of a smell. Well, we were playing softball the other day at, at a town near here, and the field just stunk, you know? I mean, it just, it did. Like, like it did, like, and you know, I'd be, I bet five times I turn around, I was like, what is that smell, you know? I checked cold stiper three or four times, you know? I thought, what? You know, something stinks here. And, and for a lot of people, that's the way, when they hear, submit to your husband, it just has this bad aroma to it. It's almost as if they believe that God has fumbled the ball on this one. Like, God has did some magnificent things in the Scriptures. Like, like wow, when we, when we hear about us being joined to Jesus and seated in the heavenlies and, and even dying to our old flesh and, and sexual purity, you know, those things, we're like, wow. And then we get to this, and we're like, God, what, what did you do? Or, or I, I even heard a lady say one time that she, she kind of felt like, you know, the, the Apostle Paul just grabbed the pen out of the Holy Spirit's hand at this point, you know, and he's kind of hacked off at ladies or something. And so, you know, he starts writing his own deal. All right, all of that is very wrong. And so what we need to do is we need to lay a foundation for wives submit to your husbands that is very biblical and that is very beautiful, okay? So I want to do that first. So we're going to do that first. We're going to try to just lay this foundation of, of this command and put it in a biblical context. And so let me, let me say three things about that. Number one, we need to see this in the context of John 15, 11, okay? So John 15, 11 is a verse that I come back to all the time. Anytime I hit something in the scriptures that's hard, okay? Anytime I hit something in the scriptures, I'm like, ah, oh, God, you know, that is so difficult. That's so against my flesh. You know, why did you put that in there? I come back to John 15, 11. It's kind of a universal verse for me in helping me understand these things. And, and so John 15, 11, Jesus, it's him speaking, and he says these, this. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Man, I love that. I love that that Jesus tells me, look, what I have said to you, I've said to you for your joy. I've said to you so that your joy may be full. I think about that with humility, you know? I mean, there are so many times in your life where you just don't want to be humble. You just want to be like, like arrogant and gripey and just tell people off, you know? And, and, and whenever I think, I think about, no, 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 wait, 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 John 15, 11. Jesus said the things that he's told us, he's told us for our joy, that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. So that, that's number one. Number two, 
understand, in order to understand wives, understand, wives submit to your husbands, you need to understand that marriage is God's deal, okay? Now, when you turn on your television, you are going to hear a bunch of people saying it is not. You're, you're going to hear our culture is screaming right now that marriage does not belong to God. It is not designed by God. It, is not, it doesn't belong to God. God does not have a patent on it. He does, he does not have a, uh, uh, a trademark on it. That it is up to us to make it whatever we want it to be. And that is absolutely false. Okay? Marriage belongs to God. It is designed by God. It is His thing. He has a particular purpose in mind for marriage. In fact, in Matthew chapter 19, beautiful passage. Some guys are asking Jesus about divorce, and here's what he tells them. He says in Matthew 19, 4, he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Did, did you hear what he just said? He said that God created us, Male and female. He didn't have to do it that way. He could have done it any way he wanted to. But God specifically created the genders of maleness and of femaleness for the purpose of marriage. Marriage has a particular purpose, a design. It's not up to us. We don't get to just say, well, I think it's about this. or I think it. No, no, no. It has a particular design. And the design of marriage is that it would be a picture of the gospel, that it would be a picture of Jesus Christ and the church, that it would be an a imaging forth of Christ and the church and the gospel in order that your children might see the gospel lived out, in order that your grandchildren might see the gospel lived out, in order that the gospel might go to the ends of the earth. That's the particular purpose of marriage. Let's see if you get that wrong. Colossians 3.18 makes no sense. You, you know, functionally, I, I have a whole lot of people who don't tell me this, but as I talk to them, it doesn't take but about 10 minutes to figure out that their marriage is not about that. You, you know what a lot of marriages are about? I would say maybe even the majority of marriages in, in America. You know what they're about? Winning. Winning. Isn't that odd? If you've done any counseling, you know it's, it's not uncommon. For, for a marriage to be about, it's a contest. It's, it's who's right and who's wrong. And who does more and who does less and who owes who what. Well, if, if that is what your marriage is about, then yeah, Colossians 3.18 stinks. Especially if you're a gal, you know. Because if, if it's about winning, if it's about getting your way, then it's almost like Colossians 3.18 says God's on the guy's side, you know. And, and that just burns people up. I mean, why would God be on the guy's side, you know? The guys are wrong most of the time. Why would he choose that side? Back up. That is not the purpose of marriage. The, the purpose of marriage is to be a living picture of Jesus Christ and the church to the glory of God and the advancing of the gospel so that your children and the world are impacted. Now, I guess if you want it to be about somebody winning, okay, it's about God winning. That's what your marriage is about. God wins. He wins. He's glorified. He gets His way. Okay, there you go. That's what it's about. 
Now, thirdly, so number one, John 15, 11, what Jesus tells us is for our joy. Number two, understand that this is in the context of marriage. This, doesn't, this does not say women submit to all men. It didn't say that. It, that. The Bible does not teach that. It says wife, marriage, wife, submit to husband, marriage. Okay, so marriage has a particular function. Right? Number three, we need to try to see submission in the context of all of the Scripture. You know what I think a lot of people believe? I think a lot of people believe when they hear the word submit in the Bible, you know what they immediately, they immediately think of marriage, okay? It's not wrong, but it's actually not where submission occurs most of the time in the Bible. So in other words, there's a whole bunch of other relationships that actually occurs more frequently than it does marriage. Let me give you some of those. So first of all is government, okay? So Romans chapter 13, listen to this. Let every person be subject. Let every person submit to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. He is God's servant. Can you imagine that? Barack Obama is God's servant, was God's servant. Donald Trump was, is God's servant. The reason I mention those two guys is because everybody in this room hates one of them. I don't know which one you hate, but everybody hates one of them. All right? And here is the reality. Those guys served as God's servant, and you are biblically commanded to place yourself under their authority. First Peter Make sure we get that not just president, but all authority. So 1 Peter 2.13, be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to the praise of those who do good. And, and let me ask you this. Is it not a good thing to submit to the authority? I was coming back from that stinky softball game the other night. And I, I tell you this in full right here. I thought that from here to Moreland on the four-lane highway was 70. I thought that was 70 miles an hour. I thought that, I don't know why, I just, I guess the four-lane between here and Oklahoma City is 70. And I'm sure that at least after, it's got to, I know that I've driven on that and saw, and saw that it was 70. Anyway, I'm heading back. I'm, my cruise is set on 70. It's a little tick over 70, maybe 71. And I see the highway patrol up there. And I look down, and I'm going like seven, a little over 70. I'm like, you know, so I just, cru I didn't slow down at all. I just cruise right by him, you know, you know. Here he comes, you know. Now, what's, what's the virtuous thing to do? So, so if submission is a bad thing, then would you all have applauded me if I'd have looked at, had, had an colt with me, had the boys with me? If I'd have looked back and said, hold on, boys, you know. You know, how run them, you know. The whole thing ends up with dad getting tased on the ground on the highway, you know. Would you have been like, Pastor, good job. You really, you know. No, you'd have been like, you idiot, you know, pull over. That's what I did. I pulled over and got in this, you know, came up, got, got my license, did everything he told me to do. Said, yes, sir, you know, explain. Sorry, I thought it was 70, you know. Went back, invited him to church, you know. Talked about, I did. <laughs> Why not, you know. I mean. He didn't give me a ticket either. He's just a warning. 
Um, you know, wouldn't you even say that submission often is heroic? So those guys that got on those, those I don't know what they're called. What are they called, David? Those, those things that carry you from the ship to the shore, kind of those boat dealies, whatever those are, troop carriers. Those troop carriers are coming into the beach at Normandy. Those guys know most of them are going to die. So is submission a bad thing? To place yourself under rank, to place yourself under the authority of your commanding officer. Is that a bad thing? Here's what I would say. The guys that crawl out the side and swim back to the boat, those aren't virtuous guys. The guys that put themselves under rank and charge that beach like their commanding officer tells them to, they follow leadership. Those guys are heroic. They're virtuous. What about, I've been watching lots of softball recently. What about, what about coaches and kids? Whenever you see a little, little kid out there and they're on a team and their coach tells them to do something and they start arguing with their coach, are, do, you, do you lean over to your kid and say, I want you to be just like that, boy. You don't let anybody tell you what to do. You know, you, you, know, you know better than your coach. You, you, do what, you do what you think's right. You see what I'm saying? Like, in most areas, we all believe that submission is a virtuous thing. What about the spiritual leadership? This one may be a little bit less so, actually. I think people would rebel against this one. Maybe as much against marriage, not as much, probably as much against marriage, but at least close. Hebrews 3, 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with groaning, for that would not be an advantage to you. He, he says we ought to have spiritual leaders in our life, that, and we ought to submit to them. And we ought to do so for our own joy. So, do you see what I'm saying here? So, so we, have, we have lots of other areas that we are called to submit ourselves to authority, to follow leadership. Now, what about Jesus? Here's the kicker, isn't it? So let me read you a couple verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want, to, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. That's what we're talking about today. But then notice this. The head of Christ is God. Okay, so if you believe in this room, if you believe that Jesus and God the Father are completely equal in power, in glory, in wisdom, in eternality, if you believe they are completely equal in every way, you are biblically correct. If you believe anything else about God the Father and God the Son, you're a heretic. Okay? If you believe that the Son is not as powerful as, as God the Father, if you believe the Son is not as glorious, that He is not as eternal, that He's a created being, then you're a part of a cult. Okay, So what I'm saying is, that's a big deal. Okay, God the Father and God the Son are completely equal, and yet 1 Corinthians 11.3 tells us that Jesus placed Himself under rank to the Father. We see that actually being lived out in Philippians, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. See, what I'm telling you here is that here's a passage of submission, and it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. L listen to it. Philippians 2, 5. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, here's Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality. Jesus is completely equal with God the Father. But yet he did not count equality with God a thing to be clung to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. You know what that is? That's submission. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that's above every name. That, this is what God does. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We see it in Gethsemane. Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. So we see submission all through the Bible as a Christ-like quality. Now, so those are your big foundations, okay? So what are we going to build this on? We're going to build this on John 15, 11. What Jesus tells us, he tells us for our joy. We're going to build this on marriage is God's idea. It's God's design. It has a particular purpose for the kingdom. And we're going to build this on submission in the scriptures is a Christ-like quality that is virtuous and heroic. Okay, there's our foundation. All right, now let's begin to build. What does it look like? Okay, well, submission is responding and affirming and encouraging leadership. That's what submission is. So when, when the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands, it is saying, wives, respond to and affirm and encourage the leadership initiative of your husband. Now, when I take a poll of most wives, okay, and I ask them the question, do you want your husband to lead in spiritual things? Do you want him to take the initiative? Do you want him to, to, to take the initiative in leading the kids in the scriptures and taking the kids to church and praying with the kids? Do you want your husband to lead in protecting the family? Do you want your husband to lead in providing for the family? You know, do you want your husband to lead? The overwhelming majority of women say yes. Oftentimes they'll add something like, get him out of the recliner, you know. Yes, I want him to lead. A few will say no. I've, I've had a few say no. And, and, and here's what I would say to those few. When you say no, you are essentially saying you do not affirm leadership in the kingdom of God. Because I, I would imagine they would, they would, not, they would not want to follow a spiritual leader. They would, they'd probably not want to follow any leader. Listen, the Bible has designed spiritual leadership for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So submit to your husband, respect your husband, affirm your husband in his leadership, encourage, respond to his leadership. Now, lots of clarifications in this sermon. So the rest of the sermon is going to be trying to clarify what we mean by this, okay? So does this, here's a question I get all the time, does the husband taking the initiative to lead mean that the wife has no roles in the family other than do what the husband says? Absolutely not, okay? So, so there are women who are incredibly gifted, oftentimes above men, at in certain areas, okay? So what, what do you do then? Have you ever thought about this? Do you know who Beth Moore is? Anybody know who Beth Moore is? Beth Moore is probably the best preacher in the Southern Baptist Convention, okay? So that, it's kind of a joke among preachers, you know. Um, she probably is, you know. I mean, she's not a pastor, she's not a preacher, but she's a kind of a women's speaker, but she's incredibly good, right? So... So what if you're, somebody's married to Beth Moore? You ever thought about that? I know they are because she has kids, you know? So some guy's married to Beth Moore. And now, now let's, let's speculate. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't know his gifts. But let's say, 
that he is very low on teaching gifts, okay? Let's say he's one of those really quiet guys that kind of survives through life on grunts and whistles, you know? Doesn't talk hardly at all, you know? Can he still lead their family? Absolutely. You know what Beth would say if she was here? She would say, yes. She would say, I need to affirm and encourage and respond to his spiritual leadership. But does that mean that she doesn't do any teaching at home? I don't think it means that. In fact, here's, here's how I, if that, were, if that scenario were my home, here's how I think it would play out, okay? I think it would play out by that husband saying, all right, kids, it's time for Bible time. All right, let's go. Come on, everybody line up. You know, he could probably do it however kind of he's wired to do it. Some guys might do tickle time, you know, have one here, one here. Come on, get over here. We're going to, you know, learn the Bible, you know. Another guy, he might do it by singing a Bible song. It's time to study the Bible. Come on, you know. You know, he might do it that way. Another one of those military guys, you know, he'd have his chalk line out, you know, in rows, and he'd set them all down, crisscross applesauce with their, their knees on the chalk line, you know, have them all right there ready. And then he'd say something like, all right, guys. We are a family that loves Jesus, and we are a family that obeys the Bible. So let me pray for you guys. Lord, help us to obey the Bible tonight. Help these kids understand what the Word is. God, we love them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids. Now, we, we are going to obey what the Bible says because that's who we are as a family. So your mama, she's getting ready. She's going to share some stuff from the Bible, and I want you to listen. I'm watching you. You better be listening. If you're not listening, you're going to have to deal with me, all right? And then afterward, we're going to talk about how to obey, all right? All right, mom. What do you got to say, right? Now, is he a leader? Yeah, he's a leader. How is that not leadership, right? He is leading his family, and hopefully that wife is there saying, you know, and for encouraging and affirming, and, and maybe, maybe she even encourages him to share. Hey, honey, you, you, I, I taught this lady. You got a story. Remember that story that you, you know, I saw you serving? Share that with the kids. You know, she's encouraging his. They're working as a team. Leadership doesn't mean the wife doesn't do anything. I am the senior pastor at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. There are several other associate pastors. We have some interns. Many of us went to Falls Creek this last week. I did no teaching at all, formally. Okay, Andrew taught, Logan taught, my daughter Addie taught. I'm certainly an authority over her. Was, it, was I breaking some kind of rule there by, by Addie teaching? Absolutely not. I'm setting the tone. She absolutely affirmed my leadership in all of that. You know, but when she's up there, you know what I'm doing? I'm in the chair with the kids. I'm setting the example. Hey, you know, if one of them, listen to Addie, you know. Come on, it's right here. Quit goofing around. It's leadership, all right? So it doesn't mean that the wife has no role. Absolutely not. Okay, now, let me give you the bad version of Beth Moore and her husband. Don't let this get out. I, nothing gets better. I'm just using our example. A great Bible. T- Here's the bad version. The bad version is she puts off this vibe that you do not know anything about this. I, I need to, I'll take care of this. And he checks out. Have you seen this version? I've seen it 10,000 times. Wife takes over, husband checks out. You know what happens in that family? Not good things. See, God's design is not working. Why? There's not leadership. There's not not a picture of the gospel. 
You say, well, yeah, but they got Beth Moore as a mommy. They'll be fine. I don't think they'll be fine. Statistically, they won't be fine. Because they got a dad who's checked out of leadership. So, everyone suffers in that scenario. Now, another question. Another question. So, in most issues, here's what I would say. In most issues, it's better to have a bad decision, not an unbiblical one, but a bad decision, than it is to have the husband and wife team divided. I, I do lots of counseling when a husband and wife can't agree on an issue, and unless it's a biblical one. Like, if it's a biblical one, well, that's easy. Who's the boss in this deal? God, right? So, so we just turn to the Bible and we'll settle it. Okay, but if it's not a biblical one, and, and the wife's had time to share, they've had the time to talk about it, time to pray about it, but they're still, at all. You, know, you know what's better? It's better, women, it's better to have a bad decision than it is to have a broken leadership team. Man, this is true with the kids all the time. There's times where the kids will pit mom against dad, and mom really believes that it's better to do this, but it's not a biblical issue, and dad believes it's better to do this. You know what happens if, Mom asserts her will. Dad checks out of the leadership team. There's friction in the marriage. Nobody wins that deal. It, it'd, be better, it'd be better for mom to affirm the leadership, even if she thinks that's probably a bad decision, but just trusting God that the unity of the team of that marriage would, would have, have payoffs. All right, so... Does this mean, here's another clarification, that a wife trapped in this kind of relationship should be blind and silent, should blindly and silently follow a sometimes horrible leadership of a husband? A couple things here. Number one, never ever against God's word. Okay? So are we all clear that Jesus is the boss of every Christian family, right? And so whenever there is a biblical issue, you know, if the husband, just like we, we said this with kids on Mother's Day, if, if the husband says, hey, hey family, we're going to rob banks for, li- for a living. I got everybody's ski mask, you know, going to fit everybody. Here's what we're going to do. That's when the wife says, sweetie, I cannot follow you in this. We need to pray about it. We need to go to God's word in it. Let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, I shall not steal. You know, well, we, I, I want to submit to your authority, but I cannot follow you in this. We cannot have the children follow you in this. Okay, it's the same principle in Acts chapter 5 where Peter, when the, the government told Peter, you can't preach the gospel, Peter says, we must obey God rather than men, right? So, there's a principle always to be followed, okay? But let's back it off. What if it's not biblical? What if, and, and I, this is the scenario that I get tossed with whenever I preach on this, this issue over and over again. What if it's just a husband that's being a tyrant about it? So what if you got a husband that he reads Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, and he starts this sinister laugh, you know, <laughs> you know, and the wife comes home, or he comes home late at night, and he walks in the door, and he kicks his shoes off, and he says, Woman, give me some tea now, you know. And he says, Get over here, rub my feet, and don't stop until I tell you. Okay, that's the scenario that I always get pitched to, you know. Now, let me, let's pause for a second. Sometimes, this is funny when this happens, Sometimes it's kind of this bulldog of a wife who I'm a little scared of, you know? And this little passive lamb-like husband that's standing over in the corner saying, whatever she says, you know? And, and she'll pitch this scenario, well, you think the Bible's saying this? And here's what I, I like to say. 
I don't think that's happening in your family, you know. So sometimes it's that. But there's been a couple times where actually a guy has said that to me. A guy has said, she needs to submit to me. And what that says, she does whatever I want. Okay, first of all, that is a completely unbiblical scenario. You know why? What have we been reading about? When you're joined to Jesus, what do you do? You put off anger and selfishness and wrath and rudeness. And you put on kindness and compassion and meekness and humility and service. Right? And so for a guy to even present that scenario basically means he is ripping out all the pages in his Bible except for this one, and he is markering out every other verse in Colossians 3 except verse 18. He's got a one-verse Bible. Well, that's just a stupid scenario. And honestly, that's, that's the second thing I would say. That's ridiculous. For a guy to take that verse and say, what this means is, I can yell at my wife and tell her to do whatever. For, I, I, would say, I would say this, you're an idiot, okay, for a couple reasons. Number one, you're going to have a lousy marriage. You're going to be miserable. Why would you do that? Number two, you're disobeying most of the New Testament. And number three, if you really want to scream at somebody about iced tea and have your feet rubbed all night long, then what you should do is hire somebody, right? Doesn't that make sense? Like most of the guys that tell me that, they're like, you know, I work out in Oldfield all, you know, 192 hours a week. And so when I get home, I, you know, I want to, I'm like, hey, if that's really true, you make a lot of money, okay? So what you ought to do is get some teenage kid, you know, pay him 30 bucks an hour. When you're coming in off the rig, call him, say, hey, be at my house. When he comes in, start screaming at him. You're paying him 30 bucks an hour. He'd probably be happy. You know what? For 30 bucks an hour, I'd do that, you know? I mean, wouldn't you? 30 bucks an hour. If it's only like an hour a night, I mean, if you're really that tired, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll come over to your house, serve you tea till you got to go to the bathroom and rub you, whatever. You know, that's fine. You can yell at me for 30 bucks an hour. I'll be smiling all the way home, you know. I mean, don't, don't, don't be ridiculous about this. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's not blindly and silently. In fact, do you guys remember last week? So, Remember where we were? Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms. Remember what we said about that? Essentially what we said about that was this. Christians are people who take in the word of God continually and believe it and live it. And then what happens? It comes out of us to one another, right? We, we encourage one another. We speak the truth to one another. Does that apply to wives and husbands? Yes, yes, yes. Does that break the submission principle? No. My goodness, it doesn't. Again, think of our staff. I'm the senior pastor, but do the other pastors speak truth into my life every day? Am I thankful for it? Yes. Does it somehow break the leadership? No. And, and so is it perfectly appropriate for a wife to encourage your husband with the word of God. Is it perfectly appropriate as they're discussing the children for the wife to say, well, you know, honey, you know, let's look at this passage together. What do you think about this? You know, let's read this together. Honey, what, what, what do you think that says? How, how should we interpret that? Yeah, she should be doing that. You know, this, this sermon would be better seen. You know what I really wish 
We have some ladies at Lincoln Avenue who do this beautifully. Whenever I see it, I'd love to point it out, but that would be like inappropriate probably. But I've seen this happen time and again. I've seen guys who were crashing, you know? Like they were, they were, they were in a small group and they were trying to make a point and it was, it was going horrible, you know? I, I've seen guys with their kids that, you know, it's like, you know, the smoke's coming out of the engine, you know? And I have seen these beautiful Lincoln Avenue women who were there and, and with their posture and their body language and everything, they're affirming this guy's leadership. They're encouraging him to be a godly man and to lead. And very, very skillfully, they're, they're directing him to, you know, maybe, maybe we could think about this angle. You know, maybe, honey, maybe we should consider this thing. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like I've seen it where I was just amazed. I was like, that is exactly what the Bible's talking about. You've got a gal here that is, that is affirming and, and encouraging the leadership of this guy and making their family go forward for the kingdom of God. So yes, we desperately need that. Husbands and wives need each other. You know, God, God's, not, God's not a dummy. He knows that, that the wife has a perspective especially about the children. Have you seen that? Wives have, have perspectives about children that the husbands will never see. Vice versa, husbands usually have perspectives about sin and about danger that the wife doesn't get. We need that. And so, so in order for that to happen, you've got to have a guy who's leading and a wife who's affirming and responding to that leadership. When you've got that, you've got a team that advances the gospel really well. First Peter 3, I wish we had time to look at this in more depth, but it is a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful example of this in action. So in 1 Peter 3, you've got a guy who isn't obeying the word of God. Now, what do you do when you have a guy that isn't obeying the word of God? Well, you know what the world's going to say? The world's going to say, well, you don't submit to that guy. Man, you, t- you tell him he's, he's a doofus, you know, and, and you, you, get people to, you get the family to follow you. Okay, that's not what the word says. Likewise, wives, this is for Peter 3, 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, there you got a guy that's not obeying the word, they may be one. Interesting choice here. Look, look at how Peter says this. Without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So what Peter is saying is that submission actually is the tool of winning this guy out of disobedience and into obedience. Isn't that interesting? You see, I, I think we would, we would naturally think, no, 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 she needs to straighten him out, put him in his place, tell him she's not going to follow him if he's living that way. Actually, the Bible says no. No, no, this, this woman ought to skillfully use, if you read that whole passage, I'll just summarize it for you. She should use her respectful and pure conduct her inner beauty, and her fearlessness. Those are the three things it says. She should skillfully use that to win this guy. You know, wives that know how to do this, man, they, they have like a superpower, you know? They really do. Like God has given a superpower there in order to kind of direct and, and not direct, that's a bad word, affirm and empower leadership in their husband. 
And, and it's a beautiful thing for the gospel. It releases the arsenal of the Holy Spirit on this guy. And, and, and he becomes the man that God calls him to be. So, does it smell any better? That's my goal. I, I, I want you to see that this is a Christ-like quality that's really beautiful. And that it should be used for the kingdom. I'm going to pray and our guys are going to come. We got our pastors and, and uh, deacons and they're going to come up and we're going to get ready to serve communion. I think we're missing a tray here. I don't know what happened. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I thank you for um, marriage, God. I thank you for the marriages in this church. I thank you, Father, for um, just the spiritual teams that I've seen at Lincoln who who advance the gospel in, in the beauty of their, their relationship and the, the ministry that you empower them to do together. And Father, I pray that that would spread. God, I pray for marriages that maybe are not functioning that way. God, if there's marriages here this morning that they're, they're still trying to win, they're still trying to compete, they're still trying to, to show up one another. God, I, I pray that that spirit would be put down, that it would be put away, and that Christ, that your lordship would reign supreme. 